Welcome to the Theory of Anything podcast. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Tracy. We've got Tracy here today. I almost said cameo. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it's been a little while since we had Tracy on the show, but we're going to talk about a fun subject today. In the news, there's been quite a number of stories about UFOs. And this has been going on for a little while, ever since, I don't know, a year or two ago, the New York Times did a story on UFO sightings and on uh, the government releasing information, their information on UFOs and declassifying it. Ever since then, it's been way easier to talk about UFOs and not sound like a nutcase. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're starting to see a lot of interesting stories coming out. I'm afraid I just don't buy the alien hypothesis. So we'll, we'll talk about why I don't. And if if you're listening to the show and you do, that's okay. This is this is definitely an area where it's okay to have a difference of opinion. But uh, let's talk about um, kind of what's going on with these stories, um, why it's changed the way we talk about UFOs and also about you know life elsewhere in the universe. And uh, really, I think that these stories, even though I don't think they're likely to be have aliens behind them, I think it's been really good to remove a social barrier to talk about these sorts of things so that we can actually put theories out there and criticize them, which is what we want. So um, I guess, first of all, Peter and Tracy, how much have you followed this in the news? Or am I the only geek that follows this in the news? I, I have to know that. Well, l- let me say, uh, I, I've been down rabbit holes before with some of this stuff. I've seen some of the footage. Haven't really kept up with too much lately. But I will say that big picture, I'm somewhat similar to you in that I, I just, I don't know. my uh, the, the, the darn BS detector just just really <laughs> I, I can't I, I just just don't believe it um although you know like you I am I do feel that it sh- is, should be uh, openly talked about I don't think people who are into aliens are crazy or anything I mean I'm I'm they very happy be. to oh fair <laughs> enough very very happy to talk I, I do have a, a quite a a strange view on aliens in general and I think maybe this has been somewhat influenced by uh, uh some of Brett Hall's stuff on this uh and David Deutsch too uh in that um I think that if aliens were to visit us, by far the most plausible scenario is that they would try to help us. And I don't think they would have any reason to try to stay s- secret from us or or in, enslave us or or experiment. I don't know. I don't know what all of all of these scenarios that people have for why we should why aliens would not want us to know about them or none of them make any sense to me uh far more likely is that they would would identify themselves as we're from this distant uh uh galaxy and we're here to help you solve death and figure out the world and so I, I just it just doesn't seem big picture it just doesn't seem plausible to me that these things these creatures are going to uh, keep themselves secret from us. I think they would probably recognize humans as 
fellow creators of knowledge and and want to help us. But, you know, I've had through conversations with other people, I've realized no one quite few, not very many other people see it that way. So yeah. that, that that's the case I'm going to make, though. Yeah. Um, have you read by by any chance? Have either of you read the three body problem in that series? No. Oh, by the way, excellent series. Cameo recommended it to me, and I'm very glad she did. It was it, it it's Chinese. It's been translated into English, but it's this super popular science fiction series that came out of China. Um, that's really caught on over here. Like Obama talked about the series at one point and how much mm -hmm. he enjoyed it and things like that. We're talking but about a book here. It's a it's a series of books, yeah. And okay. although it's supposedly being turned into a TV show or something, it has something called the dark forest theory, which is the super pessimistic theory that the reason why you never hear from aliens is because they're all worried they're going to be killed by other aliens. <laughs> I don't agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole book is based on that pessimistic um uh, theory and so <laughs> if you can see past that it's actually quite an interesting book but yeah. <laughs> in fact i think one of the books is called the dark forest so, so the dark forest theory as i understand it it's to explain why we don't see it, it's sort of to explain the fermi paradox that's right right why we that's don't right. see any evidence in the universe of alien life and you know, one in when the universe is so old and it's so big, I mean, it just stands to reason that there would be other intelligent life out there. So that the 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 dark forest theory attempts to explain that by saying that it's because the aliens want to to they don't want to be found. That's right. They're they're afraid of being found. Yeah. Pessimistic interpretation. Yeah, that's the yeah. opposite of what I believe. But. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about what's happened kind of in the news recently. So the thing that's really probably been the biggest deal, uh, we've this has been coming for a while. Like there's been a number of news stories. I, David Ferber, who's a, I think Air Force or no, Navy, sorry, um, a decorated individual who went on Lex Friedman's podcast and talked about seeing UFOs. And he, on that podcast, he's a totally believable witness, right? Like this is not a guy who's the slightest bit crazy, right? And he just says outright, I have no doubt it's aliens <laughs> as part of the interview. Um, and so he's actually was in a plane and he actually saw a UFO and there was something underneath the water and it moved way faster than his super advanced plane. And I mean, like you have to actually go listen to the interview to get the full effect, right? So like we've been having these stories for a while, the uh, government started releasing videos of UFO sightings that they've been keeping that are no longer classified. I have to admit now that they've <laughs> released it as it's no longer classified, I can't understand why it was ever classified to begin with. <laughs> and it's really strange <laughs> that it ever was. And it, it's maybe if nothing else, it tells you something about the government, right? Is that they overclassify things. They're always so grainy and in black and white, though. I mean, with HD cameras oh, everywhere. It's never, it's never high def. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> so let me give my own background on this. So the, the story that's happened recently, before I give my own background, was the David Gresh story. So the debrief is a legitimate news outlet, albeit a smaller one, that did an article called Intelligence Officials Say U.S. Has Retrieved Craft on non of Non-Human Origins. And the the 
um, news nation did interviews with David Grush. And then like all the mainstream newspapers then eventually released stories based on this. Apparently they did try to take this story first to the new, to the New York times and they didn't accept it, or at least they didn't accept it in time. I, I think the way the story gets told is that they were trying to confirm sources and it was taking too long. So he took it to the two journalists that did the story at the debrief. One of them was the one who had done it for the New York times. So she's apparently written for the New York times also to have this government official who's part of a task force meant to investigate UFOs, to have him with the government's permission, go out and basically say, yes, there are, there are, there's a group within the government that is hiding UFOs and they have non-human crafts. That is kind of a big deal. Like, I don't believe aliens is the, is what's behind this. And I'll talk about why I don't believe that, but I, I think it would be a mistake not to see this as a totally legitimate news story that something is going on that is worth investigating. Um, and so from that standpoint, I, I actually think that this was a super interesting news story. And um, Mick West has done some criticisms of it, but he he kind of agrees with me. He says, you know, you're right. This is an interesting story. And, and I'm really glad that we've got this out there. And now I hope we will investigate it. And I don't think we're going to find aliens behind it. But I think that it would be really interesting to find out why we keep hearing stories about aliens and to get to the bottom of what's going on. So the claim is beyond, it's beyond just seeing something weird. It, this is that the government has alien spacecrafts that yes. they've acquired and they're studying and all that. Okay. Yes. So as one person on your Facebook page put Peter um, in response to me posting this article, he said, well, where there's smoke, there's fire. I guess that while I don't believe it's aliens, you're right that this is an interesting story. There, there's something going on. Let's go find out what it is. Um, so let me just start with that. Now, let me give my own background. I would really love for this to be aliens. Like, like I cannot tell you. I, when I was a boy, and you can ask my mom about this or any of my siblings, I would bring home from the library books on Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster and aliens. And I was really into cryptids. I didn't even know that term back then. I don't yeah. even know if it existed back then. But what we would call cryptids today, I have a son who was into that when he was the same age. Cryptid? What are you saying? Cryptids. Yeah. They're animals that, um, like Bigfoot, that oh, okay. um, aren't known to exist, but that you, you keep hearing about. Cryptids. Cryptids. Crypt. Okay. With crypt. I, like, okay. Like I crypt just now heard cryptography. that. Cryptography. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So secret or hidden is, okay. the, is the root. I got it. So, and I used to bring home books on UFOs and... I really wanted to believe in these. And there, I still have my inner boy who just really badly, really, really badly wants it to turn out that David Grush is right and that the government is hiding alien spacecrafts. And I just want that to come out. I want to find out what the, hey, we actually do have aliens and we've come across these alien spacecrafts. We've got proof of it. And I also want them to find out that actually Bigfoot's real and that the Loch Ness monster is real. And I'm just dying for one of these stories to eventually turn out to be true. I don't actually believe it's going to happen, but I really, really want it badly. <laughs> so, so that's uh, so. This is not a uh, critical, proper critical rationalist attitude. Then no, not even close. 
you know, what is the proper uh, critical rationalist attitude? So Mick West, he did, um, he has a YouTube channel and he was interviewed by News Nation to represent the other point of view. And uh, he does, a, he has a very good critical rationalist attitude. I don't know if he knows what that term means, but but there's a lot of good critical rationalists out there that have never heard of critical rationalism. They're called scientists. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he he does a really great job of kind of explaining that there's that there's no particular reason to go to the alien hypothesis to try to explain what we're seeing. So for example, David Grush, he's totally believable. Let me just say the guy's totally believable. I, I do not believe he's lying. I, I do not believe that he is in any way trying to make himself famous. I think the reason why he's doing what he's doing is because he very sincerely believes that he has enough evidence to show that there are aliens. Keep in mind, his story isn't that the government, like from the top levels, is hiding aliens, but rather there is a group within the government or within the military that is hiding these aliens from the rest of the government. So like your senators and the president don't know about it, right? And he has put in a whistleblowers, I forget what those are called, but you put in something saying, you know, I there's this illegal activity going on and I'm blowing the whistle on it. And that's what he actually did is he put in this, this warning for whistleblowers, but the government now has to go actually investigate. Now th there's a group within the government that investigates these things. And um, he was actually part of a committee that investigated these things. So it's not like the government doesn't investigate this. Keep in mind, government's not a single entity, right? The left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Yeah. So it, it makes sense that the government would have a group that tries to investigate, are UFOs real? And is there someone in the government that's hiding information on this, right? But, you know, it, it's my initial thought is this seems to have the same problem as every other conspiracy theory and that there were just be too many people who would have to know about it. I mean, people aren't that good at keeping secrets like this. I mean, can right. you imagine having firsthand evidence that aliens exist and being like, you know, I'm not going to tell my wife. I'm not going to tell my kids. I'm just I'm just going to keep this to myself. I just. So that's actually what happened. OK, okay. so so he was on this committee to, according to his story. He was on this committee to investigate UFOs, and it was known he was on the committee, and people kept coming to him, people that he trusted, people within the government that he didn't think had any reason to lie. And they would say, I've been on a secret black ops group, and I've seen aliens, alien crafts, and I've seen alien bodies, okay? And they, they had these stories to tell him that they claimed to have firsthand seen. So in fact, if it was a conspiracy, it didn't hold, right? Because he's getting it directly from people who were supposed to be part of the conspiracy. Fair um, enough. Okay, so, and he kept having these stories. And, and what seems to have happened is, is he became convinced of it at some point. Now, he has not himself seen any of the evidence. And this is okay. really kind of a big deal, okay? And, mm -hmm. and it's really why... I put so little stock in this story as being aliens behind it. So he hasn't seen any of the crafts himself. He hasn't seen any of the alien bodies, anything that we would consider hard evidence that would really kind of force us to start accepting aliens as the best theory. He's seen none of it. He's interviewed people who have claimed to have seen it. Okay. Mm. 
and no multiple people. Now he also claims he has some evidence, but that it's it's um still classified. And so he claims he he gave this evidence, but we in the public have not seen that evidence, whatever it is. We know it's not a craft. We know it's not an alien body. It's what he means by evidence. We're not sure. You know, it may be an analysis or uh, it, we're really unsure. Right. And it's like, let's say it was one of the things that it might be that's been speculated based on some things he said is that it's like an analysis of elements that they have this craft and they did an analysis and it wasn't from this earth. Okay. The hmm. problem with that is, is that he wouldn't, he wouldn't be a good enough scientist on his own. We wouldn't expect him to be to actually know the difference between say a, a strange um, elemental makeup from a foreign government and one from aliens. So yeah. it's, it's unclear how, if that's what he means by evidence, it's unclear that it is in any way evidence for aliens. Now let's talk about what I just said, because some people might actually challenge me on it. The idea that there could be evidence for a theory isn't evidence only to refute a theory under critical rationalism. Well, probably by the time this um, episode comes out, will have released my episode on corroboration where I challenge the idea that we have to take every single thing and turn it into a negative negativist uh, sentence. I don't think that's necessary. I think that when we're talking about theories, we're only talking about the theories we currently know about. So it's always a finite number of theories and that the phrase um, evidence for this theory really can just be understood as there, this theory made a prediction, it would create this observation, and that observation would be a problem for every single other theory that we currently know about. And I think that that is a rough, we can just use the term evidence for this theory and understand it in that way. And I, I, I think it becomes awkward to try to change everything into a negativist, well, it would refute this theory, you know, and really, you're always just, you're typically just dealing with a very finite number of theories, often just two. Like, it's really common that you've only got two theories. In this case, either aliens is behind it or not. There could be multiple theories as to what it is if it's not aliens. But in a lot of ways, we only care about the two rough theories, aliens or not. I think that's an excellent summary of the your uh, your three hour or uh, yeah. three hours on corroboration. <laughs> but, uh, but for for more info, refer to the corroboration episode. I'm going to go ahead and continue to use terms like that. For one thing, I've got problems with the Popperian war on words, right? I, I do not want Popperians to continue down the path of attacking people for the way they worded things as mm. if that somehow means something rather than charitably reading that person as having said something meaningful, meaningful. So I'm going to, if nothing else, I find it awkward to talk in pure negativist terms. And I don't really know anyone that does do it. Like if, if you look at the people who attack and someone for saying evidence for, they still themselves use all sorts of terms and phrases that would have the exact same problems. Like Very you just can't, point. you just can't get away from it. Right. So there's no point in attacking somebody else for it. If you're going to do it yourself. Right. Yeah. And so anyhow, I, I think we should just get past that. Right. It, it's if there's a question as to what I meant by evidence for ask me, and I'm always going to say, well, there's only certain theories on the table and this is against that theory. And it was predicted by that theory. And therefore that's what I mean by evidence for. And that's fine. That fits perfectly with critical rationalism. There shouldn't be any issue with me explaining to you. That's what I mean. Okay. So what do I mean by evidence for then strong evidence for weak evidence for 
I would say that the very fact that there are these observations that people are coming forward, that is, David Grush sees that as evidence for aliens. And in a certain sense, it is, right? It's it's a problem for the theory that there are not aliens, but it's not much of a problem for the theory <laughs> that, there, that there are not aliens. And therein lies the problem with what he's saying right? Is could we explain that set of observations from within the framework of not believing that aliens have landed on earth? Yeah, we could. It's really not that hard, unfortunately. And when I say unfortunately, that's my inner kid talking because I really want yeah. there to be aliens. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, how I kind of look at it with so many people in the world, so many weird people, we might be some of them, so many adults with in, inner eight-year-old boys or whatever, it, it would be kind of weird if there wasn't evidence for for aliens out there. Right. Somewhere. I mean, there's there's people are make all kinds of outrageous claims about all kinds of things. Of of course, there's going to be these claims in the world, and some of them are going to seem believable. But right. Yeah. Do you know? I, let me take an aside on that just for a second. So I suffer from something called sleep paralysis. Are you guys familiar with sleep paralysis? Yes. Mm -hmm. Have either of you suffered from sleep paralysis yes. ever? Have I've you, Tracy? Mm -hmm. So tell us about sleep paralysis, Tracy. So sleep paralysis for me, when it happens, it's you're, you're aware. It's you're awake, but you can't move your body. You can't open your eyes. You can't twitch. <laughs> You can't do anything. It's it's very claustrophobic. It's um, very disconcerting. And uh, have you hallucinated when you're in sleep um, paralysis? I feel like I've actually had a couple of times hallucinating. I remember once when I was younger having that feeling that I couldn't move. And <laughs> sounds crazy. I don't think that it was really real, but the sensation, or, or I did kind of have a vision where it seemed like this dark shadowy figure was coming towards me and was trying yes. to like like <laughs> yeah yeah it okay. was not nice the dark shadowy figure i've seen them yeah they're mm -hmm. extremely common with sleep paralysis mm -hmm. um so there are many people who have sleep paralysis who believe that the dark shadowy figures are what cause sleep paralysis to them they they're seeing demons or ghosts or something right mm -hmm. right so let me explain um when you're when you're in a natural state of sleep, you start. So a lot of people don't know this, but REM sleep, where you dream, is actually the lightest stage of sleep. So it'd be stage one. You go from stage one down to stage four, and then you kind of naturally come back up, and then you go down again. There's kind of a natural sine wave. Then it gets lighter over time, and so at the end of the night, you start spending more time in the REM state, and um, where you're having dreams, and then you wake up finally. Okay. So keep in mind that dreaming is this weird state where you're partially conscious and partially not right. Um, because you're still asleep, but you're seeing things and your, your brain's not functioning quite right. It's like you're insane. <laughs> things make sense that shouldn't <laughs> and stuff like that. It's actually a kind of madness. Like everybody has experienced dreams. So you know what it's like to be mad, right. And to right. be insane. Right. Um, and then your brain removes the dreams. Not always. It doesn't do it perfectly. But that's why you tend to not remember your dreams. Um, that doesn't happen if you get waking up in the middle of the dream, which is why if you wake up from a nightmare, you tend to remember it. 
um, your brain doesn't do the erasal it's supposed to do. Apparently, erasing the dream was a survival thing from evolutionary standpoint, confusing dreams in reality, like a certain friend of ours, uh, Tracy, used to do. Um, <laughs> yes. Is a bad thing. It's not a good survival tactic, right? And so over time, uh, we've developed this ability to have our memories of our dreams removed. And it doesn't happen right away. It, it actually happens after you wake up and a few minutes afterwards, it, it starts to get erased. And if you like go write it, if you go write it down really quick, it moves it to a different part of the brain that doesn't get erased. And that's why taking, writing a dream journal allows you to remember your dreams. Whereas mm. if you don't um, mm -hmm. write it down and I actually tried that for a while, I would write down my dreams. I remember all my dreams for a while and then I kind of got tired of it and I stopped keeping the dream <laughs> journal. And right. for the most part, the dreams are just so weird. I don't want to remember them anyhow. <laughs> right. So um, a lot of people have coherent dreams. My wife has very coherent dreams, like mine Occasionally. are so incoherent, I mean. So to keep your body from moving while you're dreaming and you're almost awake, your body locks up, right? right. And, and that's so sleep paralysis would be <clears throat> where you start to come out of the dream state and you're starting to you may like your eyes are partially open. And so you're starting to see your room and, but you're still dreaming. And so you have this inner mix of what you're seeing in reality and what you're seeing in the dream. And I have, I have been, let me tell you some, some of my hallucinations in um, mm -hmm. sleep paralysis. I've had a ghost grab my bed and move it up and down. It's terrifying <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Right. It is terrifying when you're in it. <laughs> um, I had a ghost wandering around downstairs, stomping around, um, haunting my house. I, I once had a demon with red eyes standing on top of my bed, the shadowy figure that you described, looking mm -hmm. down at me. I actually attacked it because I believed it was really there, and it brought oh, me out. Of, it brought me out <laughs> of the uh, the dream state. Um, and the sleep paralysis finally broke and it, it, it always disappears immediately as soon as the sleep paralysis breaks yeah. because you wake up all the way. Right. Mm -hmm. I also once, um, had a roommate, um, we were like sleeping on the ground or something. Um, I can't remember exactly why we were doing that, but we're, we were like sleeping on the ground. Um, and I, I, in the sleep paralysis, he kept shoving me <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's like, he was like in my face shoving me like trying to wake me up or something. And yeah. then I would come out of the sleep paralysis and suddenly I would see that he hadn't been shoving me. He's like way across the room and he's just sleeping huh. on the ground and I, I can see him there. Um, so I had all sorts of really ghostly otherworldly experiences. I don't believe any of them are explainable as actual demons or ghosts or something like that. And one of the reasons why, first of all, I just don't think that way. I'm a scientist at heart. So I don't try to explain these things through the supernatural, but part of it is, is that they always disappear immediately. Like the bed shaking. I, and I know if I can make my arm move, the bed will stop shaking because the dream will stop. And, and I have, I'm thinking that in the state of paralysis. So I'll go, okay, move my arm so I can stop being scared by this ghost, you know, and then I move my arm, boom, everything stops. Right. And right. so I know it's directly connected to this dream state that's going on. And I think that that's a very good scientific explanation. And I, I don't need to reference the supernatural, but I can totally see why someone who wasn't, you know, scientifically skeptical as me would have these experiences. And to them, they've effectively seen a demon or a ghost or have been haunted. 
And in fact, a lot of famous haunting, like famous haunted house, mm -hmm. um, one of the things they've discovered is there's a reason why it's always an older house. It's because the older houses have bad heating systems that put off carbon monoxide, which tends to create sleep paralysis. And what they found yikes. is if you, if you take a haunted house, yeah, yikes. If you take a haunted <laughs> house and you go and you change and upgrade the heater, the house will stop being haunted. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. interesting. I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is this is a, what I'm trying to get at here is that um, there are real phenomena that are weird and hard to explain. I mean, imagine trying to explain sleep paralysis before we knew what it was, right? I mean, like through most of human history, if someone had sleep paralysis, for all intents and purposes, it was a supernatural experience. Um, they had seen a demon, right? Now, right. I, I'm not sure I can explain to you why the shadowy figure is so common with sleep yeah, paralysis, hey, right? It, it's weird. very weird. Now, one of the things is, is that if you happen to believe in aliens, when you have sleep paralysis, you will have the hallucination that the shadowy figure is an alien and that the alien is operating on you. And that's where a lot of the stories of aliens abducting you and then operating on you come from, is from sleep paralysis, okay? If that's kind of in your brain, that that's a possibility, you're going to experience it that way. And and these, these things, they feel very real, right? I mean, like when you're still in the sleep state, so your brain's not quite functioning right, it really, really feels like it's really happening to you. And I, I've long said that I think experiential things like this, they kind of do trump a scientific attitude. Like if I, I have a certain scientific attitude towards Bigfoot. Okay. I call this mm -hmm. the Bigfoot principle. Um, I, you know, if I were to, um, I, I don't think there's a Bigfoot. I don't think there's a real Bigfoot. Um, I, I do actually think there could be a real animal behind Bigfoot. And let me get to that in a second. Um, but in terms of there being a real Bigfoot, uh, in the sense of a half ape, half man, kind of the popular image of Bigfoot from like Harry and the Hendersons. No, I don't believe that that's a real animal. Um, and one of the reasons why is because an animal that large would have an awful lot of poop. Like this is well known in scientific circles and it wouldn't be that hard to track them down. <laughs> <laughs> and and so the fact that you can't do that, you, you see these feet, but you, you don't see the massive amounts of feces that should be coming from an, an animal that size, you know, it just doesn't fit, right? It's not a very good explanation. It's, it's easier to explain Bigfoot in terms of it's a hoax that got started, or there may be an animal behind some of the sightings, but it's not actually what we would think of as Bigfoot. Now, here's the thing, though. If I were out wandering in the woods and suddenly the Bigfoot attacked me and I'm on the ground and it's roaring in my face and I can smell its <laughs> breath and I can see the fur, right? <laughs> I'm not going to be start thinking, oh, this must be hallucination because of the poop theory, right? I'm, I'm not, <laughs> right? At this point, I'm going to be, at best, I'm going to be thinking, well, there really is a Bigfoot and I wonder what he does with his poop so that people aren't finding it. I mean, it would totally change my attitude towards that theory, right? Yeah. And so I, I do think ex experientialness will trump a scientific attitude and maybe rightly so, right? If I really did see Bigfoot roaring in my face, 
I'm going to start being a Bigfoot believer, period, end of story, right? And then really, I'm going to start using my scientific attitude towards trying to figure out how come he hasn't been discovered. And it's going to shift the way I look at it. Now, because of that, it's somewhat understandable that a person who suffers from sleep paralysis might assign way too much to see that as too, as evidence for the theory that there's actually aliens or demons or whatever. And they, to them, it's, it's, this really happened to them. Right. And so it's really hard for them to overcome that experiential attitude. And again, maybe even rightly so, but I don't think it transfers in the slightest. Right. If, if I've seen Bigfoot and it's roaring in my face, so I quote, no Bigfoot exists. Okay. Me telling Tracy that does not count as evidence for Tracy. <laughs> right. It doesn't. Right. It does. It's a completely non-transferable kind of evidence, which is why we entirely exclude it from science because science requires repeatable observations. That's part of the nature of the scientific method, as we as we call it. I know Popper said it wasn't a method. I kind of disagree with him on that. I think it's more a method of critical how we criticize things than a method of how we come up with theories, if that makes any sense. And mm-hmm. but um, I think that. Uh, um, it makes sense that we do not count the experiential as evidence in science, even if you as an individual may count it for something. And you could be mistaken, which I think you are in the case of sleep paralysis. I think in the case of sleep paralysis, we understand enough about that theory at this point that that explains why you, when you keep having sleep paralysis, see aliens abducting you, right? You are hallucinating. And and like I said, I've been able to test that theory, right? The fact that I can move my arm and I can make the ghost disappear or I can make the demon disappear. Right. To me, that's a pretty testable circumstance, which is why I don't buy it, right? I think it's just a hallucination, period, end of story. I think it's pretty common for, for people, even seemingly rational, scientifically minded people that they'll always have that one thing, whether it's the, the haunted house or they took a drug like like DMT and talked to elves or something. To, you know, to they'll, they'll, elves, right. That's pretty, that's actually pretty common that, uh, I mean, I would be too afraid to do something like that, but that people <laughs> will actually do do, do that and uh, have, have conversations with spirit and ent- entities and things. And uh, I, yeah, I think it's very common to, for, for people to have these kinds of uh, uh, beliefs. Yes. And you know what? That's not a bad thing, right? I mean, like if, if we all just went with the scientific consensus and we didn't let what our eyes showed us change our mind, it, you would lose a giant source of conjecture, right? Mm-hmm. A really useful source of improving theories because sometimes they're real, right? Yeah. Maybe not most of the time, but like, I mean, I could imagine like, a platypus before they discovered the, I don't know when the platypus was discovered or whatever, but you could imagine some time in the past where there was this myth about um, a, a weird kind of mammal that laid eggs and everyone would think that you were crazy. Right. And it has a duck bill. You know? <laughs> I mean, like it's, it, it really sounds crazy, right? It really does. It sounds like a cryptid. Yeah. Crawling except, duck. Right. Yeah. It, except that it happens to be real. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so Without the ability for someone to go experience something and then say, okay, I believe in this. And now I'm going to go use the scientific method to try to convince people that I'm right. 
You know, I, I think you really would lose a really important source of conjecture and criticism. So on the one hand, I'm completely in favor of saying that as an institution, science does not accept individual experiences. They must be repeatable. I think that's completely the right rule. Rule, But I also completely accept that you as an individual scientist get to ignore that rule if you've seen Bigfoot, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way this works. And I'm glad for that. There's um, a scientist who Jeffrey Meldrum in Idaho that studies Bigfoot as one of his main interests. And he takes a lot of flack for it, but I'm really glad we've got a, a legitimate scientist who's out there trying to study Bigfoot. I mean, Bigfoot, I don't think he's real, but I'm a fallibilist who knows, right? I, I would really like to have somebody out there, you know, at least one scientist doing his best to try to study evidence for and against the existence of Bigfoot and trying to come up with some way to do that. And it, who knows what even, he'll probably come up with nothing, but who knows, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's a really important part of science that you've kind of got these outliers like that. And science benefits so much from pushing back against these kinds of things yes. too. It really just strength, strengthens the institution. That's where, why, as far as I'm concerned, more cranks the better i mean <laughs> i think <laughs> okay so with all that kind of in mind let's talk about aliens and these these sightings and things like that so uh, let's say so this is this is giving credit to mick west because he's the one who said this this is what i would have told you though even if i hadn't seen mick west video i'll put in the show notes a link to the video that i'm talking about here where he does a very good job of talking about this he points out that we've had the UFO mythos for a while now, right? It, it, it started, I can't remember when it started, like in the 50s or 60s or something. There's a book coming out on the first alien abduction um, that I've already pre-ordered because I'm really excited about it. D done by a totally legitimate scholar, right? He's researching the history of what happened, not trying to argue for or against it, right? It's Barney and Betty Hill incident. Yeah. So it was an American couple who claimed they were abducted by extraterrestrials in a rural portion of the state of New Hampshire from September 19th to 20th in 1961. I don't know if that's technically the first case of UFO abduction, but like it was one of the more early ones that became famous that um, then kind of popularized it. And once it starts becoming part of the, the mythos of the culture, then more people start to experience it, you know, from a, for obvious reasons, that makes sense. And so um, I just bought this book and it's coming out in August and I'm like super excited about it. And by the way, if I ever do find evidence that there's aliens, I'm totally going to be pro alien, right? Cause, cause I really want my inner boy really wants there to be aliens. I, have I mentioned that, that my inner boy really wants there to be aliens? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, when these things started to happen, it becomes part of this mythos and stories start to grow up. And then people might, remember observations are theory impregnated. So people might start to interpret things in terms of that theory, right? So if I have in my mind that there are alien abductions and I believe in them, and then I have sleep paralysis and I see something, an hallucination, I might see it as an alien. Right. And, and experience it as an alien, because now I'm I'm kind of primed due to this theory that's in my head that I believe in to see that as an alien and to observe it as an alien. Um, 
And again, that makes sense, right? Because observations are theory impregnated. So let's say that you have a bunch of people working on a craft retrieval program. Now, it's not aliens, it's foreign countries. Okay, so we do, in fact, have a craft, craft, craft retrieval program. I don't know that for sure. I'm just, this is my theory. Um, makes sense we would, right? I, that seems like a totally believable theory. And so we have these top secret craft retrieval programs where when a, a craft from a foreign country um, falls, we go out and we grab it and, and it's super high tech compared to stuff that a layman's familiar with because it's military and they see things that they're not used to. And then they have in their mind this, this mythos of myth of aliens and they can't help but read into what they're seeing. This is an alien craft. Now it would make sense. They're not, they're not told too much. They're part of the program, but it's top secret. So nobody's telling them who this is, why they're doing it. They just know my job is to retrieve this craft and to do these certain things or experiments or whatever. And they are interpreting it as aliens because that's on their mind. The same way someone with sleep paralysis would. Okay. That really has the ring of truth. Yeah. Right. So, well, and this is a totally believable story because you have such a strong myth of aliens out there and it's so much a part of the culture. Um, it makes sense that that people are going to be primed to take something that isn't aliens, but that they can't explain and then see it as aliens. And you would you would almost expect that to happen. So we would we would expect that within the military, amongst people who have been on top secret programs that some percentage of them saw it as aliens, even if it wasn't aliens, and that they would then, knowing this guy, David Grush, who's super believable, they would go to him and in complete sincerity say, I've seen alien crafts. And especially with all these new drones and things, you know, my, my son bought a, bought a, um, a drone for, uh, uh, $20 on Amazon. And I, I just couldn't believe how, how well it works flying with precision or just around our house. Bucks? Well, yeah. maybe it was 40. <laughs> I don't know, but it was, it worked and it takes HD footage and everything. I mean, I it, it can only imagine what the Chinese government has or something, right. probably things that we can't even, uh, hard, hardly believe. My sister, um, the one that has cancer, she's seen a UFO and so she saw the, these lights and they were moving in weird ways and they were forming patterns. And she's like, what the heck is that? And then she went home, turned on the news and it turned out that there was somebody out there creating UFOs with drones <laughs> and they knew who it was. Right. And she said, you know, I mean, she doesn't believe in aliens or UFOs, but she says, I could totally see how someone would see this and experience it as aliens. Right. They would, they would, for, for all intents and purposes, they've now seen a UFO and they've seen an alien UFO and they don't have any other explanation available to them. Right. And so I, I think that's the problem is that the alternative theory in this case, which is that it's just non-aliens. I'm not going to be specific as to who it is. It's the Russians or I don't know, the Brazilians, I mean, who knows. Right. But it's some other entity that's creating these crafts and that we're retrieving them. And that theory is really quite sufficient to explain the observations of David Grush having people tell him they've seen something, right? 
And so that that theory has not been eliminated. And it's a much better theory than the alien theory. <laughs> it, it fits much better with everything we know, right? It, it's a tighter, harder to vary theory. It it fits other best explanations available to us, et cetera. Okay. Then, then Mick goes on and he points out that there's various um, things that you would not expect, right? Like these alien crafts, if, if they're, if they're advanced enough to come across the galaxy to visit us, why are they crashing at all? Right. I mean, what's the yeah. crash rate? How many are there? Right. And how many have we recovered? You know, how their, their spacecrafts must be way less reliable than the average car. <laughs> right. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Right. Now I, I've, I've had people who I've talked to who believe in um, UFOs and, and, and think that's the explanation behind the David Grush story. And they've offered kind of ad hoc explanations here. Um, I, I have this, I, I've talked against ad hoc explanations quite a bit, but let me just say that thank goodness we do have people out there um, offering alternative explanations. And ad hoc explanations are totally legitimate as conjectures. They're not legitimate as scientific explanations. And that's really the distinction you have to make in mind here, okay? So um, one of them said that um, I think the idea of, an, of crashes of advanced alien tech being less probable fails to take into account that the crashes, if they did occur, probably would have occurred during interactions between our own military and the said tech. So he's imagining the crash being because we shot the craft down. There was some sort of engagement that took place. Okay. This is a good example of an ad hoc save. Like, the, like that's not part of the story we've been told, but we could imagine that. We could imagine that uh, eventually evidence will come out that the reason why they're doing these craft retrie re retrievals is because we've been shooting down alien, hostile alien crafts or, or something like that. Right. I guess that would explain why it didn't happen so much in the, the Middle Ages or something. They right. didn't have the technology for <laughs> shooting these crafts down. So, you know, one of my, um, UFO books as a kid, it actually claimed that there was a UFO in the Bible. And I I can't remember what the exact so revelations verse. or something. Yeah, it, it was like it was it was um angels. It was it really wasn't very compatible with the UFO mythos. Mm. But uh on the other hand, I suppose the point they were trying to make was is that if UFOs were showing up back in biblical times they would probably not interpret it as aliens. <laughs> they would probably interpret it as angels or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I, I mean, I guess fair enough. Like if we're going to go all the way into an, uh, an unintestable theory like aliens, then maybe we can explain them as they saw them as demons or they saw them as something else. And But we know they're aliens. By the way, one of the common things is that they're not actually aliens, but they're actually interdimensional beings so that they don't come from somewhere else in the galaxy. They come from a different dimension. That's like super common amongst mm. UFO believers today. That's like a giant part of the, the mythology that exists. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and honestly, as critical rationalists, we really don't eliminate non-testable theories, right? We, we just treat them as non-testable. <laughs> so I'm not going to even go out and say, no, there are no aliens. I mean, like, if you ask me my opinion, no, there's these are not caused by aliens. But you know what? I don't know, right? Yeah. 
I, I, I'm not going to go so far as saying, no, I know that it's false because I can't know that. I'm even going to leave an open mind to it. I'm going to leave open mind to the idea that maybe due to David Grush blowing the whistle on this, that we're going to research, we're going to find out, and they're going to come forth with alien craft at some point. And at that point, that will falsify the theory that I just explained because it's a falsifiable theory. I really think that's the right the right attitude. I think that's why the word uh, fallibilist seems like a rings true for me more than skeptic. You know, yeah. it's, it's just a better attitude towards life. We should be open to to all these weird theories, not necessarily accept them, but you right. know, listen to them. And yeah, I think that try to keep an open mind. Like I, a lot of times, you'll hear critical rationalists. Deutschians in particular talk against the idea of beliefs. That's in my mind going too far, right? I mean, of course, human beings have beliefs. I, I, I have this sense of what I think is right in terms of if there's aliens or not behind this. And that's my belief, right? It, I think what, it, it, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the fact that I form a belief and that that is my preferred theory. And it may even be that my preferred theory, the one I believe in, isn't really the best theory at this time, right? It, that could happen um, for whatever reason. It's just the way I'm trying to evaluate the critical discussion. I may evaluate it not the best way. And I may end up with something that isn't true and there's actually a better theory available or i just isn't not familiar with the evidence or what the alternative theories are or because maybe i don't even want to it's confirmation bias right but at the end of the day the fact that i have a belief that it's not aliens doesn't mean i'm not open to it being aliens and i think that's really the correct critical rationalist attitude go ahead like you, you're not going to stop yourself if someone told me i don't believe in anything i i i, I don't believe in theories you know i just I'm a total pure critical rationalist. I would call him a liar, right? I mean, it's there's no way that humanly they're able to do that. And I don't think they should even try not to do that. I think they just, just keep an open mind. And we should always just keep an open mind, right? Okay, maybe it will be aliens. I will reevaluate that when something more solid comes forth that requires me to falsify, to eliminate this theory that I've just explained that I think explains the same set of observations as of today. Okay, such as they're actually being an alien body that comes forth that scientists can see and go start experimenting on, um, or such as they have an actual alien craft and we have some way of scientists observing it and they all start to say, you know what, I can't explain this is coming from Earth, right? And that would be that would really force me to rethink this, and I would at that point, I would, and I would gladly at that point, because I would really prefer it's aliens because <laughs> I have this inner child. Did I explain my inner child to you? <laughs> yeah, <we've met> him. <laughs> so I think that is the correct critical rationalist attitude overall towards these stories. They're fun stories. I think we shouldn't, you know, poo-poo them. I think we should enjoy them for what they are. But when it comes right down to it, we really haven't eliminated the better theory, which is that this is not aliens and that it's really just other unexplained phenomena that people are interpreting as aliens because that's part of our culture's myths at this point. Um, anyhow, that would be, I guess, my overall stance and explanation as to why I don't yet 
believe it's aliens. Well, you've made made a heck of a lot of sense. I can't it does. <laughs> think your perspective <laughs> rings true for me. What about my my line of reasoning I brought up at the beginning? I mean, why would these be aliens be interested in visiting us? None of the uh, scenarios more pessimistic scenarios that people have brought up to, you know, make any sense at all, you know, to, to mine the earth. Well, why would they travel? I mean, there's elements all over the universe. Why are they going to travel all this distance just to, to, to mine uranium or something like that? They could right. create their own elements if they have right. that technology. Enslave us? Well, that's preposterous. They can, you know, create a robot or AI or whatever that's going to do a lot more than than any human could. Mm-hmm. I mean, what mm-hmm. what are they what are they doing? There's just no there there's no good um, ex- explanation. I, you know, I think that the uh, uh, only the the what would make a heck of a lot more sense. And you know, maybe this is my crazy optimism speaking, and you know, also plays into ideas about morality and and. Uh, the uh, which I think is is I, I think objective is is the is the right word that the you know the the, the idea that these aliens would that would have um, technology that would be far beyond us, but then you know w- w- would have a, a sense of morality that would be just I guess just completely different than us or or. I would say inferior to us. I mean, if they're right. not, if they're coming to Earth and they see these creatures, these fellow creatures capable of science and explanation and um, reason, and not wanting to help these these creatures cure cancer and cure death and 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 live better lives, then I would say that would be highly immoral. I guess. Yeah. And so it just it just doesn't make make sense to me. I you know I think if the the if they uh, came like I said they they would want to help us. So you know I, in the in the episode where we talked about AGI alignment and safety, I, I introduced the idea of um, speculations being easy to vary, and I need to do an episode on easy to variness because I really feel like my attitude my understanding of it has changed a lot in the last year or so. And I feel like the concept is somewhat ambiguous and that it leads to some problems, even though I think it's getting at something that's correct. But I think that when we're dealing with the easy to vary part of an explanation, um, you can kind of make up whatever you want. So I'm sure that someone who believed in aliens (laughs) would, would respond to you by saying, oh, well, you know, maybe they're hostile. We were hostile when we first encountered other people, or, um, you know, maybe uh, they they're like Star Trek. You know, they they have this prime directive that we're not ready to know about them, and they're actually behind the scenes. They are helping us, and I think that's the problem, right? Is that we can take these sorts of explanations, well, why wouldn't they help us? Which I think is like a really good question, right? Mm. That's what I think we would actually do, at least at our current level of enlightenment. If you went 100 years ago, sure, we wouldn't have done that. But at this point, it's hard to imagine 
if we went out and discovered aliens that we would try to conquer them. Like, like why? Right. Yeah. It just, yeah. it's just not a part of the way we think anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but I do think we're in the easy to vary part of an easy to vary uh, explanation. And yeah. it's, it's pretty easy to just come up with, well, it might be this, or it might be that. Yeah. And because of that, it's hard to make any argument at all along those lines. That's why I kind of instead go with, um, look, I'm going to reassess my theory the moment I actually see the craft right? or other scientists, scientists see the craft, right? Is that point, I'm going to have a totally different opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right, right? It, to me, it makes so little sense that if they came all the way across the galaxy to spy on us that they wouldn't just announce themselves right mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's like we would right it's yeah it kind of makes sense um and and you look at the history of our own technological development that it, it does kind of seem like morality has improved alongside techno you know as as soon as the enlightenment the the spark or whatever kind of kind of started and our 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 technological growth started to skyrocket well you know suddenly you kind of figure out well maybe slavery is not such a good thing maybe women should be equal more equal to men and you know all, all this all this moral growth seems to go along with technological growth yeah looking at our own history mm. i mean right. they, they don't seem unrelated so, you know, if anything, I would just think the suspect the aliens and AGI, too. You can make a parallel argument with with AGI, with all this. You know, if they're, they're probably, if anything, you know, people always think about them being less moral than us or at least differently right. moral, to be fair. I think a more more plausible uh, idea is that if we create AGI, they're going to be more moral than us. They're going to be able to look at uh, look at the or, or equally, equally or more, I would say. Yeah, l- let me uh, clarify. You're not just talking about AGI. You're actually talking about super intelligences that right. The, the argument you're using is about it's not just an AGI, but it's actually better at thinking than a human being is. Then it would make sense. So goes the argument that it, it should create knowledge faster, including moral or uh, that's faster. that's a good distinction. Yeah. Super intelligence, I guess. Yeah. Because an AGI doesn't have to be a super intelligence. It, okay. It could but don't be... you think it would be though, most likely? I you if, know what? I it... I don't I don't have any reason to believe that. Like okay. at all. Okay, fair enough. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second because I, okay. I think this is something that a lot of people have missed. Okay? okay. There is kind of an assumption that silicon is faster than neurons. Therefore, if we create an AGI, it's going to be faster at thinking. Mm than us. Mm. Okay. But the architecture we have of our current computers has a typically a single processor or a processor with four cores, or maybe at most, you know, a specialized set of processors is a whole bunch of them doing graphics or something like that. Right. And consider, consider how that's different than the brain where every single neuron is both memory and a processor. Like it's a totally different architecture. They're not even similar architectures, right? Mm -hmm. And it's massively parallel processed because of that, well beyond anything that we've ever been able to create at this point. So yes, the individual neuron is slower, a lot slower than if you're trying to just look at a CPU and how fast it processes, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, 
so you might say, well, what if we made a computer that had as many processors as neurons? Wouldn't it be like way faster than the brain? Well, yes, but it would also probably be like a little sun and melt, right? Because it would mm. have so much heat. So when you try to look at these architectures, you have to compare the brain's architecture in terms of being massively parallel processed with almost no heat, right? I mean, like it's yeah. totally ingenious compared to anything we've ever engineered, right? And so when you actually try to do a, a true comparison between them, I don't think we even know which is faster, right? It's, That's an it, excellent point. I ne never heard it put quite like that, but that that makes a lot of sense. So I think we have as much reason to believe that the first AGI will be stupider than us as we do to believe it will be smarter than us, mm. which is to say no reason at all, right? Mm. It's we, we just don't understand it well enough to be making these sorts of speculations. So I, again, I'm not dismissing the possibility that they might be faster than us, even when we first create them, even at the current level of technology. But I don't think we've got any reason to believe that yet. A, a better question might be, could we eventually make something that thinks faster than us? I think the answer to that is yes, right? Mm -hmm. And so so maybe the concept of a superintelligence in this sort of limited sense, because it's, I would question whether faster is the same as a superintelligence. But maybe in this limited sense of simply being faster, maybe we eventually need to worry about that. But I, I don't even I don't even think we've got good reason to believe it's currently on the table as a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. Until we actually understand what the AGI algorithm is and understand how the brain implements it, I don't think we're even going to be able to make good estimates. So mm -hmm. at this point, I would just leave it an open question, right? I, I wouldn't deny mm -hmm. the possibility, and so maybe be a little worried about it. But but I, I just think it's the idea it's more probable i i think that that makes a whole series of assumptions that i think yeah. we could easily find out is false right so anyhow that's my opinion on that subject i, I don't think i've ever expressed that no that's very compelling i haven't hadn't heard it <laughs> quite put like that so and this is what i mean by the easy to vary portion of the explanation right i mean like intelligence is a vague theory at this point um and people who have AGI safety concerns, first of all, I, I feel like the Deutschians in particular have a very bad attitude towards people who have AGI safety concerns. AGI safety concerns are a legitimate concern. The correct way to answer it isn't to poo-poo it. The correct way hmm. to answer it is to point out, you're just making lots of wild guesses, and I could easily make alternative guesses that would be the opposite of whatever program you come up with, right? So at hmm. this point, we just don't know, know enough to, even if we do need an AGI safety program, and I, I'm not ruling that possibility out at all. The gene, our genes have an AGI safety program on us. So it's not unthinkable that we'll need to have one on the AGI. Okay. And we don't always hate it. Like we tend to hate pain. So we do sometimes hate it. But like if you were to remove, you know, somebody's sex drive, which is part of the genes, a um, general intelligence safety program on us to keep us aligned with our genes, we don't like it right? We, we prefer to have the, the safety program in that case. So I, I don't even know that it's true that AGIs will hate us putting a safety program on it, right? I, I don't know hmm. enough to ask that question yet. And that's my point, is that getting worried about it when we don't even have a good theory to work with to tell us what we need a safety program for or what it should look like, you're basically making a wild guess that could be the exact opposite of what makes sense. I think this is the best way to read Deutsch when he talks about, look, if you 
create a safety program and you actually implemented it, you would have enslaved them. That's not necessarily true, but it could be true. You, you should be as worried about that as not having a safety program, right? Because the, the theory is so nascent at this point that you could easily come up with, even if you could come up with a safety program, which I don't think you can, because I think it's going to be based on qualia, which we have no theory of. But let's say you could. Let's say that you could today come up with a safety program. It might be exactly the wrong thing to do. It might be the worst possible thing you could do because we don't have a good theory of intelligence yet. <laughs> so it's kind of silly to get into the aid to worry about AGI safety, not because the worry is wrong, but because you can't do anything productive without a better theory. The correct AGI safety program is to study intelligence at this point as much as you can until you understand it well enough that you know if you need a safety program and what it would look like. You can't answer either of those questions today. So you're wasting your time thinking about it. That's my point of view on this. Well, that was a compelling digression. I'll say that. <laughs> okay. By the way, our, our AGI safety and alignment episode, I that's basically a summary of that episode. Okay. <laughs> and, and I guess that is kind of how I feel about a lot of these alien things too, right? Is at, at this point, let's say that it was non-humans behind these crafts. Let, let's, let's pretend like that's actually the truth. I don't know what you do other than exactly what I already said. Those crap, we need to find out who's been hiding them in the government. We need to probably punish them. We need to then bring out these crafts, let scientists start to examine them. And then at that point, we can find out if, are these hostile aliens? Are they interdimensional beings and not aliens? Are they Bigfoot? You know, is it really actually the Loch Ness monster? I mean, like once we have some sort of hard evidence that allows us to start to narrow the theories that we need to be looking at, at that point, we can start talking about what we should be doing about these aliens, right? Yeah, at yeah. you point, know, that's actually, you bring up another kind of compelling thing about punishing uh, people in the government for keeping that at a secret. I, I you know, I, I, not to get vindictive or anything, but I, if, if you're a government official, it's not just like keeping a, a, a secret about Russia or something, something secret. You're keeping something secret that is, like fundamental to our mm. understanding of our place in the universe. Right. Like you right. are depriving knowledge from, you know, life, potentially life altering knowledge from 7 billion people. It's like, that is highly immoral. Like, yeah. I think that's, that's so wrong. Like if, if that's what they are doing, then, you know, I, Geez, I overthrow the government, really. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> according to this theory, it's a secret ops group within the government. It's not, okay. Okay. not the highest levels. Like the president doesn't know about it. The Fair Congress enough. doesn't. I mean, again, if the president knew about it, if Congress knew about it, it would have leaked out, yeah. you know, yeah. years ago, right? <laughs> Yeah. You know, someone like Trump, though, it's probably the first thing he does when he gets elected. He's like, oh, now I've got all the secrets. I think right. he would be going after that. He's... Well, he could he couldn't keep our regular secrets. Right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I. and again, this goes back to the easy variness part of the theory. It's the fact that the even the fact that we have to claim to make this theory work, that aliens are behind it is that it's a secret organization in the government that's breaking the law and and refusing to let Congress do their regular oversight, right? Literally breaking the law, right? 
the fact that you even have to go there with this theory is just not a good sign. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I I really need something more solid than testimony that I can't have scientists check, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it just it just needs to be more before we're really going to start taking the alien th theory seriously. So makes a lot of sense. Uh, well, take home uh, image from from this uh, episode. Uh, Bigfoot is strangling Bruce on. He's got him on the ground and Bruce says, well, what about the poop? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this can't be real. Right. <laughs> So actually, I wanted to mention one other thing about that. So the opposite side of the Bigfoot principle is, and like, let's say that we discovered that there is, in fact, a group of previously unknown apes that live in North America. Here's my question for you. Have you proven Bigfoot or have you disproven Bigfoot? Stop and think about that for a second. Well, I mean, maybe the devil's in the details there. I mean, does, yeah. does, do these things look like what has been seen previously? <laughs> no, they're just, or, they're just apes. They're just apes. I mean, they're, they're just like, or they, do they look, you know, there's that famous Bigfoot picture that looks like, a, I think they even found the found the monkey suit. Okay, yeah, it doesn't look it half It doesn't human. look, oh, it's, just, okay. it's just an ape, right? It, just it's, an, it's a species of ape that we didn't know existed in North America. Okay. And, it, and it's apparently been there for, for a very, very long period of time. Well, then I would have to say it does not... You would see it as disproving Bigfoot. Disproving, yeah. You know, I think yeah. I would see it as proving Bigfoot. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> because it's not immediately clear. It depends on what you mean by Bigfoot, right? If you mean the half ape, half man, then yes, it disproves Bigfoot. But to me, that would just be so exciting. I'd go around saying Bigfoot's real, right? It's, <laughs> I, I would, right? That would be. And this is why when people ask me, is the Yeti real? I go, yeah, the Yeti's real. I, yeah. I just think it's an orangutan. Right. It's we yeah. we know that there are orangutans that live in that area and they are the source of the Yeti myth. So I think the Yeti's a real thing. I just think it's an orangutan. <laughs> <laughs> so they have these white orangutans that live there or whatever. And that's just see not them. as exciting. <laughs> it, it is. It, it is kind of exciting, right? So and you're right. It, and that was the point I was trying to make is that the devil is in the details, right? If if Bigfoot by Bigfoot you explicitly mean half man, half ape, then finding apes would then explain the Bigfoot myth without ever having found the half man, half ape, right? So most people would see it as, oh, that's what Bigfoot was. We've disproven Bigfoot. But I would suggest that Bigfoot could just mean there's an actual animal there that everybody thinks doesn't exist and that we suddenly find it does exist. That would be a cryptid, right? That would actually be not maybe not quite as exciting as the full Bigfoot legend being discovered but it'd be awfully exciting right i mean it would be very very cool <laughs> well the question is i wonder what the professor at the university of idaho or whatever who studies this stuff would he see that as confirming bigfoot or not or would <laughs> yeah, he say no question. i'm looking at that's that's not what i i you mean know, <laughs> he actually if i remember correctly i haven't read his book i need to read his book um but uh, if i remember correctly he actually um discovered fur as part of his studies into Bigfoot and sent it in and got it classified as a new kind of ape by looking mm. at its DNA. Oh, so, okay. hey, you know, I, I, this happens, right? Is that there's weird stuff comes out and it's not easy to explain. The world is full of things that are not yet easy to explain. I don't know what happened there. Was it a mistake or did he actually discover some sort of animal that exists that we didn't, we still don't really know about? I, I couldn't tell you. Right. I don't really believe it's a half man, half ape. 
<laughs> right? I'm not even sure I believe it's an ape, right? I, I think maybe a mistake got made. I'm not scientific enough on this to even give you a solid opinion. Okay, but that does show, but that's that's why I like the fact that we have a scientist that's actually trying his best to look at evidence like this, right? Mm -hmm. I think most scientists would not even bother to go try to analyze the DNA of for a big of that's supposed to be a Bigfoot and find out what it is. So I think we need someone who's open-minded enough to go try to do that and to really kind of challenge us on stuff like this. By the way, now that we're talking about things that I can't explain. Are you guys familiar with the story in South America somewhere? I want to say Brazil, but it might've been Chile or something where a group of children actually had a UFO land and the aliens came out and talked to them. Have, are you familiar with the story? It's an, it's a no. well-known story. I thought you were going down the Chupacabra route for a second. No, no, no. No, I haven't heard this though. Oh, it, it's, no. it's a true story. Like um, Expedition Unknown like the, the guy who does that series, he actually went and like interviewed them. They're all adults now. They all swear by it that that back when they were kids, that as a group, they saw a UFO land and the, the adults in the building heard the children getting excited and went running out there and it was gone by that point. And the aliens came out and they gave a message of peace to the children and all of them still remember it to this day and how do you explain something like that, right? Like, I don't know how to. It, mass delusions. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't know, right? I, I think there's a lot of things like that out there that we we actually, I would like to know what was behind that. I, I yeah. don't think it's aliens, but yeah. but I think something happened. I just don't know what it is, Yeah. right? Well, so, kind of like I said before, I think it would be much weirder if there weren't a lot of unexplained things out there. I right. mean, you almost, ex with so many things happening in this world, I mean, of course there's a lot of unexplained things. I want it to be aliens though. I really do. I want to find out the kids <laughs> actually met an alien. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we could probably wrap up this episode. This was a fun episode. Yeah, I, I thought so too. Okay. Well, thank All you, right. Bruce. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. The Theory of Anything podcast could use your help. We have a small but loyal audience, and we'd like to get the word out about the podcast to others so others can enjoy it as well. To the best of our knowledge, we're the only podcast that covers all four strands of David Deutsch's philosophy as well as other interesting subjects. If you're enjoying this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This can usually be done right inside your podcast player, or you can Google the Theory of Anything podcast Apple or something like that. Some players have their own rating system, and giving us a five-star rating on any rating system would be helpful. If you enjoy a particular episode, please consider tweeting about us or linking to us on Facebook or other social media to help get the word out. If you are interested in financially supporting the podcast, we have two ways to do that. The first is via our podcast host site, Anchor. Just go to anchor.fm slash four dash strands f-o-u-r dash s-t-r-a-n-d-s there's a support button available that allows you to do reoccurring donations if you want to make a one-time donation go to our blog which is fourstrands.org there is a donation button there that uses paypal thank you <laughs>